Hello and welcome to the Women in the CEO Community podcast series. Um, my name is Gwen Wilcox and I am the Chief Operating Officer of Armstrong Wolf, the financial services CEO advisory firm and global lead of the Women in the CEO Community program. Rukuk, or Women in the CEO Community, is a space for people-centric conversations with a focus on diversity, equity and inclusion topics pertinent to the industry and how these impact individuals and organizations, whether this be acquisition and retention of staff, managing strategy and people, or simply the sharing of practice and opportunity for career development. Our aim is to increase awareness of the opportunities that are available at all career levels and help you to think about what's next for you. Through this series, we hope to bring, your, you, bring you insights from the minds and experiences of uh, financial services most successful leaders, unlocking some of the lessons that they've learned, and I hope that you, our listeners, can apply these to your careers and lives. I am so excited for today's conversation and delighted to welcome Director of Inclusive Design, Interbrand, UK Government Disability Sector Champion and member of the Forbes 30 Under 30 list, Marion Waite. I'd like to ask you to share a little bit about yourself, please, Marin, and what inspired you to have the career you have to date. Welcome to you. Excited that you are here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited too. And um, I appreciate that this is a podcast, so no one will be able to see me. But if you're interested, I am a white cisgender female, and I'm currently speaking to you all from London. Um, and I'm very sad because I was meant to have a haircut yesterday long awaited and it didn't happen <laughs> so I'm looking pretty disheveled uh, and looking forward to things opening back up again um but look I've got um uh, a lot of personal experience with disability and exclusion and I spent most of my life thinking that the lives and circumstances of people who are affected by disability were always going to be a little bit worse or in some cases a lot worse than non-disabled people and it was kind of throughout my career I, I kind of lent into disability activism and looking at how um, design specifically can either design in people with disabilities or can design out uh, disabled people. So uh, I entered into the world of design and branding about 14 years ago and continued my kind of uh, interest or pursue my interest in what's called inclusive design, which is how you can remove barriers um, for people from different groups by simply <laughs> designing with them um, and being led by their experiences and so I couldn't understand why the kind of the world of mainstream design um, um, uh, and creativity was kind of continuing to leave out the perspective of of disabled people and and older people as well and those people who also identify as as you know neurodiverse um, or those who have got kind of chronic illness, because, you know, there's a big conversation to be had around kind of disability and identity. But those conversations weren't happening, right? And so about four years ago, I set up a nonprofit called Think Designable, which was all about providing thought leadership around um, inclusive design and disability inclusion and how the power of mainstream brands and brand experience could be doing a lot more to work in uh, the needs and the expectations of these audiences. So quite, quite simply, um, 
my kind of mission or ambition at the moment is to open up a dialogue with people who have got experience of disability in order to put inclusive design at the heart of brand and customer experiences. Because we'll, we'll probably get into this, but I'd say maybe 90% of the conversations that happen around disability inclusion relate to uh, employee experience, which is hugely important um, because there's a lot of work to be done in that area. But one of the things that business hasn't been focusing on is um, accessibility from a customer perspective. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it's a huge conversation, but I'm, I'm always very happy to have it. <laughs> no, absolutely. I'm so delighted to have you. It's such an important topic. Um, so in our conversations leading to, the, to, this, to this chat and this podcast, we, you've mentioned the pillars of inclusivity. So um, I could see on your email signature as well, three little hearts and, uh, and actually, no, never, actually never seen them before. So you have a, three, different, three different symbols, haven't you? You have one light blue, a rainbow, obviously we know what that would, that would be, and one with varying shades of black, brown and tan. Um, so inclusive, like, obviously, do you obviously live and breathe this and you've got this in your email signature? What, what do they mean, just so we are aware right up front? You mean the the icons within the ah, email signature and brand? They show or they depict Interbrand's commitment to disability. Uh, sorry, to diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I think the main purpose of those different symbols and everyone within Interbrand to displays them within their email shows that we are a culture that respects um, many different perspectives and identities, whether that's kind of sexuality, gender, race, ethnicity, um, disability. It's really kind of, you know, just showing uh, and a reminder, I guess, to both our clients and our colleagues that this is something that sits very much at the heart of what we do. Well, that's fascinating. I think we need to start adopting that. And I also like the hashtags underneath as well. So that's great. Mm. So, um, well, so on that point, I want to say something probably controversial, oh. but also um, I think an indicator of commitment to action as opposed to getting this right, because we are still kind of, you know, right at the beginning of, uh, of our journey of understanding the extent of what needs to be done and how people are still being excluded. So I think there's kind of a, a temptation for businesses to pat themselves on their back. Um, and we really must acknowledge that actually there is so much we don't know. So this is kind of, you know, um, an acknowledgement that we are accountable rather than we know we're getting it right. Sure. And obviously, actions speak louder than words. Um, so whilst obviously it's so important to talk about these topics and gender, general conversations around increasing accessibility and disability awareness, talking isn't enough, is it? So um, we acknowledge that there needs to be action. Um, question for you. How can brands and businesses start to operationalize inclusivity? So this is a really good question. And I think the first thing I would say is there's a temptation and there is a trap that we can fall in to uh, want to become the savior. The brand wants to be the savior. And this is not this is not about being a savior um, and to kind of and it's not always about necessarily focusing on the business and brand opportunity. And there are many opportunities there. But this is really now, I think, especially with everything that's going on in the US about, like I say, 
accountability and responsibility for meeting the expectations of people from different communities. So number one, I think first is acknowledgement of the need to be accountable. And we're seeing that there are more and more kind of C-suite leaders leaning into this space. Again, not from the position of being a savior or the, or the solution, but realizing their role in unlocking the resources to get this right. So first of all, I think it's about acknowledging within business that there needs to be intention and um, acknowledgement from those at the very, very top of the business. And I'm not just talking about people who are kind of in charge of DEI. So we still, I think, fall into this trap of thinking that this is the responsibility of diversity and inclusion heads or of HR. And really, this isn't this is that's why I'm so excited to speak to you, I think, is from kind of a COO perspective, we need to be operationalizing this in a much deeper way and and ensuring that every department head understands what their role is in removing mm. barriers. Oh, you're certainly so, in the right place. Yes, they're certainly <laughs> like the drivers of change. Absolutely. Exactly. And so I think there's also kind of a, a sense of humility and self-awareness that needs to come from this leadership because, you know, there is still so much that business is, is getting wrong and there is so much history to, to kind of how people have been oppressed. And so the, the key to kind of overcoming that is having very open dialogues with people at a grassroots level. And the, the the kind of exciting thing is, is that there will be so many people within our organizations that have got experience that will help to improve the situation. And so it's about really listening hard to those who can support leadership to get there. So number one is kind of, you know, like accountability, acknowledgement, um, understanding who needs to be involved in order to make this happen. And then also crucially listening. This is this, this is such an important thing to do is is kind of, you know, really understanding what isn't working currently in order to create that roadmap for change. Mm. So have you got any examples where you think this has been done really well? Um, examples of who's listening? Well, I think what's interesting about um, organizations such as the Valuable 500 is that they're, they're kind of having this excellent conversation around. Yes, CEOs now need to be leading in. They can't kind of delegate the responsibility for for change in this respect. But I think, you know, it, I would be really hesitant to give names of brands who are getting it right from an operational perspective, because mm. I think there's actually still so much that needs to be done to get there. And I think there are kind of pockets of activity that are very encouraging. So we're seeing, you know, brands start to come up with much more um, disability-led solutions around products, yeah. around services. And we're starting to see, you know, much more of attention being paid to how we can create cultures that are much more uh, disability inclusive. We're seeing lots of people lean into this idea of kind of creating employee resource groups and some such. So there, there are lots of little pockets of positive change but actually, in terms of really getting it right across every aspect, that's something that I think we still need to work on. Case mm -hmm. in point, we have mm -hmm. lots of people to talk about. So from a consumer perspective, every time I ask um, my disabled friends who their brand of pref or their preferred brand would be or their favorite brand is, they will say Apple without a doubt. And they would probably cite the Apple iPhone as well. Um, in terms of being kind of, you know, an, an iconic assistive solution. 
However, um, then when you speak to people about what happens within the culture or within the organization, there are lots of kind of, you know, challenges around um, not just people uh, with disabilities, but also other facets of diversity or who are impacted by different facets of diversity that are kind of, you know, potentially not supported in the right way. So this is why I think the kind of operational peace or operationalizing inclusivity is such an interesting conversation to have because it's only by understanding the entire ecosystem that we can start to claim that we're doing things in the right way. Absolutely and would you say culture is the main barrier to operate operationalizing inclusivity? So I think we normally talk about three different pillars. Uh, culture is one of them. So if we look at leadership and we look at kind of um, you know what people within the business are doing to report measure and create the right environment for change from kind of you know a, an accountability perspective that's huge culture again is a huge is a huge um key or is a huge part of kind of getting this right because you you have to have the right perspectives within an organization and you have to be able to make sure that those people from different communities feel empowered um and so the kind of it, it, unless you're doing that correctly, you're not going to be able to reflect an external view uh, that connects with kind of a wider a wider audience. But then there's also the brand and the customer piece too. And I think that's kind of a piece that historically has been overlooked, especially from a disability perspective. Mm. Yeah, so all, all teams across the whole organization need to work as one. Um, yeah. Because I was just going to say that, you know, um, what I'm excited about with this new proposition at Interbrand um, and what we're doing is we're looking at the pursuit of barrier free brand experience. So, again, it's an acknowledgement that we need to be doing much more. And it's the responsibility of brand leaders and brand builders to remove those barriers um, by taking the lead from people with disabilities. Absolutely. And, and interestingly, you've obviously um, mentioned leadership and leadership is very much at the heart of what we do. And obviously the CEOs are, are very much the leader in transformation of, of space. And, um, and and obviously it's important to have allies in the C-suite. Of course it is. And there's been a lot of talk about different leadership styles, um, obviously as a result of the pandemic and how managers need to understand their employees and obviously their employees' needs. So uh, what impact does, does having a C-suite ally have on inclusive of um, inclusion of the inclusion of, of um, and progress I think there's a really clear link between the board and between the rest of the organization so you need someone who is accountable to report back to the CEO and to report back to the board on whichever objectives and and measures there are in place um otherwise you know change won't happen so and to, you mentioned the pandemic there which is really interesting because for the last 30 years disabled people in the UK at least have been campaigning for employers to be much more flexible in terms of how they can work um, and have been campaigning for things like flexible working, working from home and have been told repeatedly that it's too difficult, it's too expensive and it can't be done. And yet last year uh, it, as a result of the kind of uh, limitations from the pandemic we saw businesses were able to really quickly change the way they were working in order to provide those kinds of, of flexible means so what's been fascinating over the last the last 12 months 18 months has been actually when business wants to 
they can respond to these needs they can do it pretty rapidly and so that's why kind of you know you need everyone at board level to understand why this is so crucial and what and more importantly what their role role is so that's what I, i guess i'm trying to kind of explain is that like i say historically this has been left to poor old dei leaders or chief diversity officers but actually you need every single person to understand what they need to be doing to help um deliver this so you know for instance it it, it's brilliant to um use disability-led insights and insights from older people for instance to improve accessibility of products and services but actually if your marketing department doesn't understand how how to effectively tell those stories and communicate this to a wide wider audience those stories will get lost similarly it's one thing to kind of have a lovely big PR story about potentially creating an accessible product. But if there's also a story in the news about how your employees are being let down, that's going to, you know, provide uh, cause challenges and so and kind of reputational harm. So it, it and also actually societal harm. So it's really about kind of understanding the different aspects of what we call brand experience and how we can be addressing and identifying barriers across each area to make sure that businesses and brands are authentically um, living their values. Thank you for that. That's that's just really helpful. And I think we all have a part to play. Every single individual in an organisation has got a little part to play uh, or a big part to play in becoming uh, making an environment more inclusive. Um, I am also keen on obviously measuring and measuring progress. We are all keen on on ensuring that everything is measured anyway these days and and what doesn't get measured doesn't get done. So um, we see a lot of benchmarks and quotas to be met, um, especially when it comes down to recruitment recruitment and and senior managers um, obviously have that responsibility, but is inclusivity measured in the same way, do you think? I think inclusivity is pro- so yes so like I say the kind of employment piece is is really key to this um I think it's worth noting that when it comes to disability employment there are sometimes different barriers that need to be addressed for instance actual physical barriers um, whether that's kind of like you know applying for jobs finding searching jobs website accessibility application um accessibility you know whether even um, traditional cv submissions are the right way to do it versus other means of 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 assessing a candidate's suitability so there are kind of so when compared to other facets of DEI, I think accessibility plays a slightly different role or needs a slightly different approach. But beyond employment, I think when it comes to kind of disability inclusion and inclusivity, there are different factors we need to be taking into account as well. So kind of wider accessibility measures and and, and much like sustainability in a way, we need to kind of be thinking about this at a, on a much deeper level. So like I say, a- assessing the customer experience as well as the employee experience, but also what does this mean for procurement and for suppliers to make sure that, you know, we're educating and working with the right people who who are aligned with our, our own mission and our own values. Um, I, I do hope we have a ton of CROs listening to this because it's the, they, they can certainly make this happen. Um, I also wanted to know, before we close, I wanted to know where, where shall we go? What portal shall we go to? Where shall we go and, and educate ourselves further? Where would you take us? 
So I think one thing you could do is come and speak to me at Interbrand because we're currently in the process of working with our talent, our our clients and our expert disability partners to find the answers to some of these challenges. So the key thing here is that it's a very collaborative approach. We must take the lead from disabled people and disabled experts, um, both in the UK, but we're also starting to work with those in other regions as well, because, you know, um, the topic of disability is is such a fast one and there are many different perspectives coming in from different regions so if if you are interested do come and have a talk with us because we're taking a very different approach um, to other organizations and like I say what we're trying to do is push ourselves and our clients to understand what this means across the entire organization and experience Absolutely. And one thing to remember, it's not just the physical disability that we are talking about here. It's also the invisible disability, which I would see sometimes much, much, much harder to to recognize. So yeah, um, on that, I was just going to say one of the things we're exploring at the moment is this kind of link between or the balance between looking at user capabilities and common challenges both across kind of sensory, cognitive and physical capabilities. Um, so, you know, you might have age related uh, challenges or disabilities that are very similar to other kind of medical diagnosed disabilities. And so what we're trying to do is look at how we can remove barriers across those different need states. For instance, you know, we, we might enjoy captions on a video because we don't have sound on our device, not just because we are deaf or hard of hearing. And so there are kind of lots of inclusive, you know, um, solutions that make life better for everyone. But I think it's also making sure that we're not negating or erasing the actual experience of disabled people and disabled identity within that. So it's a real balance between trying to move away from a place where there are there's an unhelpful use of labeling, but at the same time, making sure that we are really championing um, the experience of different individuals. Indeed, and you're doing a great job at that. So thank you for all you do. So Marion, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Um, I am delighted that you agreed to join us to talk about and educate us also on disability and inclusion. Um, I hope to see you very soon. Thank you. You too. Thank you for having me. Bye.